2: I could stay here forever.
0: Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Common Sense with Dr. Ben Carson. I'm your host, Ben Carson. So glad that you were able to tune in today. You know, a lot of people are very concerned about the direction of our country and the things that are happening. You know, our kids are being indoctrinated, uh, being introduced to frank pornography. We have people saying that men can have babies. We have a justice system that seems to work one way for one group and another way for another group. And uh, it seems like we're spiraling downward. And we've lost our minds, and there's no common sense anymore. But today, we have a special gift. We have a member of Congress who has a lot of common sense and a rapidly rising star on the political scene. Uh, we saw a lot of him during the, uh, the speaker confirmation uh, episodes. And I think he impressed an awful lot of people. And we're so grateful that he's uh, dedicated a significant part of his life to public service. We have today with us Congressman Byron Donalds. Welcome, Congressman. Thank you for being with us.
3: Uh, listen, uh, Dr. Carson, pleasure to be with you. Uh, thanks for having me on. Should I call you Dr. Carson or Secretary Carson? I don't know which one.
1: I don't care what you call me. Just don't call <laughs> me a camp. <laughs> fair enough, but, fair uh, enough. It's good to be with you. Hey, you know, uh, recently the the Justice Department Announced a plea deal with uh, Hunter Biden. And, uh, you know, he admitted to some tax problems and a gun charge. uh, Really just got a slap on the wrist. A very sweet deal. Uh, Does that smack of unfairness at all?
3: Or are we being. Oh, 100, 100%. It is it's unfair and i think it's it's even more than just simple unfairness although i think that you know americans all see it for what it is what they see is that his last name is biden he's the president's son and so he got a slap on the wrist i mean we're talking about millions of dollars in tax evasion that alone would send just about any other american to jail but i, th- I think it's deeper than just the unfairness piece What you have, in my view, is a a political cover up. You know, you have the allegations, which are serious allegations, um, that Joe Biden and his son and his family, his other brother, Jim Biden, who really doesn't get talked about much at all, um, that they they orchestrated and were deeply involved in a in a public uh, corruption uh, scheme, a pay to pay for play scheme. And that they were going all over the world, uh, taking in millions and millions of dollars. And I think that's the story that a lot of Americans really aren't hearing. Um, yeah. And they're not hearing that because media just is ignoring this story.
1: Well, it's, it's, it's interesting because uh, let me just read some of these uh, facts. The Biden family members created over 20 companies, mostly LLCs after Joe Biden became the vice president and many family members were involved. The Biden family received over $10 million from foreign nationals and related companies. The Bidens entered into complicated financial transactions meant to concealed sources of funds, including from Chinese nationals with significant ties to the CCP and Chinese intelligence, including from a Romanian company controlled by an individual accused of corruption while Biden lectured Romania on corruption and ethics. Uh, And then Hunter was appointed to the Burisma board despite of lack of expertise uh, in any of the topics. Uh, I mean, this is incredible stuff. Can anything be done if the DOJ ignores the corruption. If they just say, we don't care, it's uh, we're not going to do anything about it.
3: Well, I, honestly, I think that the thing to be done is, um, in my view, impeachment proceedings. And I, and, I, and I don't use this lightly. I think it's important for people to understand that what we saw with impeachment uh, under President Trump was just a uh, political weaponization of it, and and let me not just say the talking point. Let me go through the facts of the matter. Um, you had this uh, call by a whistleblower about President Trump's uh, conversation with Vladimir Zelensky, and actually the the intent and the 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 facts of the call was about information related to Burisma and Joe Biden and Hunter Biden getting fun, getting paid from Burisma to shut down the prosecutor in Burisma. And so because Donald Trump had this phone call with Vladimir Zelensky, uh, there was somebody in the apparatus who brought that to the Democrats in Congress and they started impeachment proceedings and impeached Donald Trump over that, over a phone call. You compare that to what we see where you have a confidential human source at the FBI who told the FBI that both Hunter Biden and Joe Biden both got $5 million apiece Mm -hmm. and that it was routed through several accounts that it would take investigators 10 years to find. You can corroborate the account formation with what we already know about the the, the multiple LLCs and the multiple accounts that the Biden family has used for all of the other uh, tactics of getting foreign money uh, based upon the political uh, position of Joe Biden. And then you you tack on the fact that you cannot tell me that investigations into the president's son, into the president's son, mind you, are slow walked or stonewalled yeah. and end up with a slap on the wrist over millions of dollars in tax evasion. And that's the White views. House counsel. Yeah. The White House <laughs> counsel doesn't know the chief of staff doesn't know and that the president doesn't know the attorney general doesn't know, but there's a slap on the wrist. Like that, this is, this is terrible. And so if you're looking for accountability, the reason why I use the word impeachment is because what you end up seeing through all this is the public corruption angle. And then the piece that I think is very real are the obstruction of justice and the cover up, And the last point Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll say on that is, you know, Richard Nixon, when he was impeached and then he resigned from office, Richard Nixon, they never got him on on ordering the the break in of the Watergate Hotel. What they got him on was using the Department of Justice to cover up the investigation into right. the break in. Right. That's what Watergate was about. And so if that's Watergate covering up a break in into the Democrat office, at the Watergate Hotel, Watergate Hotel, then what is covering up the fact that you and your family have been getting millions of dollars from foreign companies, people tied to the Chinese Communist Party, tied to Chinese intelligence, et cetera? I mean, this is one of the this is probably the greatest scandal in American history. Absolutely. And so if you're looking for accountability. That's why I say impeachment might have to be that accountability.
1: Well, to what do you attribute the complete? lack of interest by the mainstream media <laughs> and what could be the biggest scandal in American history.
3: Well, I think the reason why they're covering up is because, and let me take a step back and, and listen, Dr. Carson, you know this, and anybody who's now risen to this level in politics, the longer you're in Washington or the longer you're in, in politics, you begin to develop relationships with people on staffs, uh, people within the bureaucracy Uh, people, you know, through the intelligence community, through the FBI, but but more importantly, people in the media. And I think that Joe Biden, he's been around for so long. He, his family, uh, obvious high up members of the Democrat Party, they have key relationships with a lot of people in the media. And so you got to understand the best way to protect their active connection with the sitting president is to protect that president. I think this is why you have media organ- organizations who are not even reporting on this story. They, right. they don't ignore it. They just ignore it. They, would, they talked about the, the terrible accident with the submersible last week right off the, t- the Titanic. Right. It's a terrible story. I completely understand that. My heart goes out to the family members. But this was wall-to-wall coverage for five days, mm-hmm. while in the middle of that, Testimony from an IRS whistleblower, information that the FBI tried to conceal from the public is all being released about this public corruption scandal, and the media doesn't talk about it. It, They don't even try to to poo-poo it or downplay it or say there's nothing to see here. They just ignore it. And that's how you know that to the depths upon which the American uh, media is corrupted, in my view, by the Democrat Party and by Joe Biden and his administration, because they can't even report the facts or even talk about the story. They just have to omit the story from existence.
1: Well, is, is there any truth to, from what you've been able to gather as a member of the Oversight Committee, the uh, IRS whistleblower allegations that senior officials stymied the efforts to prosecute?
3: Biden. What we have right now is we have the testimony uh, from the super this the investigative supervisor over at the IRS, Mr. Shapley, who's now gone on the record and testified and is now gone public. And now he's actually now there's actually what has just broken the last day is there is a second person who was in these meetings Mm -hmm. who is corroborating what Mr. Shapley is saying. So now we have two. Two people, career employees at the IRS who are corroborating the allegation that the that the Department of Justice and the political brass at the IRS were basically stonewalling and shutting down real investigative work. And so now we're going to take those two pieces of information and we're going to continue to dig. Um, And I know it's been it's being reported that uh, Merrick Garland is supposed to be in front of House Judiciary on September 2nd. I believe it's September 2nd is the date. And so there's going to be serious questions that need to be ha- had about what Merrick Garland's actual knowledge is. And that that information needs to be under oath because he could say whatever he wants to the media. And by right. the way, the media will not press him on it. They will not continue to ask questions. Uh, they'll let him give his statement and then they'll just move on, not how they would treat a Bill Barr or a Jeff Sessions or anything or anybody like that. So you, we're going to have to we're going to have to run this thing to the ground. We're going to have to get all the information. And really lock this down from an evidentiary uh, standpoint, uh, but I think that the key points of information are already there.
1: Well, you know, there was a recording that uh, that we've heard this week where uh, Hunter Biden is uh, threatening one of the Chinese officials, and he said, "I'm sitting here with my father, and we would like to understand why the commitment made has not been fulfilled," and. With all this going on, Joe Biden says, I never talked to my son about any of this stuff. I mean, could he in any way be held for just lying? What's what's the consequences for just frank, outright lying?
3: Well, I mean, look, if we're going to be honest about it, Joe Biden's never really faced uh, the consequences of lying. He's been doing that. You know, throughout his political career. I mean, he lied about Robert Bork. Um, you saw what he tried to do, trying to trying to destroy Clarence Thomas. Right. Um, I remember a debate he had with Paul Ryan when Paul Ryan was running as vice president. He lied all through that debate. Um, so like this is what he does. He's been doing it for a very long time, and he's never had to pay the price. So I think him lying about knowing what his son was doing is not the issue per se. I think the issue, the real issue is Did Joe Biden take money? Did Joe Biden allow the Department of Justice to cover up for his son? That's obstruction of justice. And I think that's the thing where you can uh, uh, hold Joe Biden accountable. And I'll add, and and I think the one thing that Joe Biden has been, he's bragged about is that yes, he did get that prosecutor in Ukraine fired. He Mm -hmm. bragged about it a couple of years ago. And now what we do know is, that he got paid to get the prosecutor fired. That is public corruption. That's pay for play. I think that he could definitely be held accountable on.
1: Well, you know, I, I talk to people all the time and they're aware of all these things and they just say, nothing's going to be done. Do you, do you agree with them? Is this well, going to be I swept under the rug and just uh, forget about it. And no, about it? I
3: I actually don't think so. I don't think this is going away. Even though the White House might want it to go away, and I, and I think the reason why they know this is not going to go away is because about a couple months ago they hired this uh, new guy, and Ian Sachs, over at the White House, and his whole purpose is to just combat narratives coming from House Republicans. That's the only reason why they hired him. So he talks bad about Kevin McCarthy and James Comer and Jim Jordan and and Jason Smith and and the members of the Oversight Committee and and Judiciary. Um, And so that's his entire job is to try to sandbag what we're saying in the press with the press. And unfortunately, a lot of the press take his talking points because, like I said, the, the press are in bed with him. But do I think this is going away? No, I don't. Um, I mean, you've heard Speaker McCarthy by now. He came out and said, listen, if the allegations are true about Merrick Garland, uh, then that would lead to impeachment proceedings. And I agree with the Speaker of the House, because uh, like we said earlier, Merrick Garland doesn't have clean hands. And at the end of the day, if the attorney general is covering up, you can't tell me the president of the United States doesn't know That's that's impossible. As much and look, Dr. Carson, you know, as much as staff talks to each other between the agencies and between the offices and people kind of know what's going on. You can't tell me he does not know if he doesn't know, then he's highly incompetent and should not be president of the United States. But I think the, at the end of the day, the real accountability is going to be by the voters and by the American people. um, And that's going to come. And even if you get away from, you know, this scandal and this is a massive scandal, but even if you get away from that, his own economic record and his own record on foreign policy and on our southern border. Um, that's more than enough for this for Joe Biden to leave the White House as soon as possible. The soonest date might be January 20 of
1: 2025. Now, uh, you say ultimately it's up to the people, to the electorate. You know, a lot of people don't have confidence in our electoral process. You know, there were a lot of changes that were made to accommodate COVID. Now that COVID is over, I don't hear anyone talking about repealing those things that were done. Is, is there any talk about that at all?
3: Uh, in some states, yes. In a lot of states, no. And I think in a lot of these states, the reason why those changes are not being really talked about is because you're in divided. You have divided government in these states where, you know, the Republicans might control both chambers, but the governor is a Democrat. I think that's the that's the case. I believe it's uh, 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 Kentucky. Um, or you could have the situation where you have a Republican House and a, and a Democrat Senate, and then there are not going to be changes there. I think I think the real answer in 24 is that Republican campaigns and in the, in the RNC have to get real about what's allowed in these states. And if they allow ballot harvesting, then let's do it better than they do. If they allow same-day registration, let's do it better than they do it. And I think that we have to just be so good at the electoral and electioneering game that the Democrats have been playing for a long time that then even the Democrats will want to play by a, a single set of rules. Because what's been occurring, and it's not just 2020, it's been happening for a while, what, what's what been happening is that the Democrats, they go into court, they try to find any, ways, any way to change electoral rules, uh, they try to get around the actual law passed by the legislature to open up new buckets. And, and, I, and I think as part of this is that this ruling that just came out of the Supreme Court uh, written by John Roberts, uh, mm-hmm. I think, was really a disaster for state legislatures and for state government and state authority in elections. You can't have bodies outside the legislature change election law. I just mm-hmm. think that's wrong. I think that's wrong. There has to be a power that does reside with the state legislature. And so the Constitution is very clear on this. But unfortunately, you have six justices of the Supreme Court who say, oh, well, we know what they wrote, but what it really means is this. And I I just don't agree with that. But that being said, if you're talking about Nevada, where they allow for ballot harvesting, so in Clark County in Nevada, the culinary union is actively ballot harvesting, then that means that Republican candidates in Nevada need to actively ballot harvest in the state of Nevada. Like we can't. You know, we can't go into into these these uh, election battles with one arm tied behind our back. Uh, we have to go in prepared to win, prepared to compete. And, you know, I think we can be successful in 2024. And if we do those things again, adding in the devastating record of the Democrats and Joe Biden, I think we're going to be successful.
1: Amen. well, we will be back in uh, one minute with uh, Congressman Byron Donald. Stay right with us.
0: Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.
1: Hello, everyone. We're back with more common sense. Uh, You know, common sense is certainly not common anymore, but uh, we have a tremendous uh, guest today who... Exhibits a tremendous amount of that. And we're talking about some of the things that are going on in our society, uh, some of the unfairness. And we were talking about elections. You know, in the 2020 election, you know, some polls have been done that indicate that if people had known about the Hunter Biden laptop, it would have changed the result. And, uh, do you think there's ever going to be an investigation of what happened there with the FBI colluding with political forces to actually suppress something that would have an impact on the election?
3: I, I definitely think there's going to be continued investigations. We're we're looking into that right now. I know that Jim Jordan and his committees are, are actively doing that. And what's happened with the FBI is not just a story of the 2020 elections. Uh, this actually goes back to the 2016 election. This goes as far back as 2015 when the FBI was looking into the Clinton Global Initiative. The IRS was looking into the Clinton Global Initiative. Mm -hmm. Um, Then they started looking into Hillary's emails. That was covered up uh, by the the upper echelon of the FBI. And, you know, if you're reading the John Durham report, it becomes pretty clear that they covered it up because they thought Hillary was going to be president. And because they thought Hillary was going to be president, they were like, oh, well, let's just sweep this away because do you really want to go after her when she's the chief executive? That's not going to go well for your career. Those are statements out of the Durham report. And so you have that situation there. Um, It also stipulates that um, the intelligence community briefed President Obama and Vice President Biden at the time. They were briefed about the fact that Hillary Clinton was putting together Uh, uh, phony information and laundering it through the intelligence community. Uh, We know that the FBI lied on the FISA applications to get the wiretaps into into Donald Trump's presidential campaign. Like it was based on a lie. That's how Crossfire Hurricane got started. Then we know that you have elements of the FBI because now they're caught with their pants down. They know they've broken the law and they know that they've used misinformation to spy on an American citizen. Now they have to try to find a way to cover that up. And then it continues to spiral. Then you have the allegations with Joe Biden that come forward with the laptop. And now if you're an FBI official who's already trying to cover up all the stuff with with Russia collusion, which was a lie. Are you really going to blow up uh, Joe Biden's campaign by saying this is this laptop is real? No, you're going to try to confuse the American public as well. So I think you are going to have these investigations are going to continue. And I think one of the key ways to do this is there has to be serious reforms at the FBI. You're going to need a commander in chief who's committed to doing that. Uh, members of Congress are coming up with a couple of ideas of how to reform the FBI in, in and in a meaningful way. Not just saying we reformed it and shuffling the deck chairs and not doing anything. I'm yeah. talking about a, a meaningful way. But that stuff is going to continue because, you know, the Democrats—they were trying to lecture us in the last couple of elections about saving our institutions and fighting for the soul of America. Uh, but the truth of the matter is that the Democrats have have damaged our institutions. They've damaged our democracy. They've damaged our republic, where now uh, citizens don't even agree on the same thing. And that is because they have been they have lied repeatedly and they've used our agencies to perpetuate these lies. And all that has to be fixed. All of it has to be reformed. Heads do need to roll. And I think you're going to need a a, a new president in order to do that. And you're going to need a Congress committed to actually holding these agencies accountable.
1: Do you think it's safe to say that uh, if the House had not switched control, that all this stuff would have been ignored? And swept under the rug. Oh,
3: 100 percent. Nancy Pelosi wasn't going to do any of this. Let me tell you something. Even even after January 6th, the Oversight Committee, we held two hearings on January 6th. And what came out of that pretty clearly was uh, that Nancy Pelosi didn't request National Guard troops to the Capitol. They were in D.C. They were made available by Donald Trump. She could have requested them. She chose not to. But she couldn't let that out. So what happens? She shuts down the Oversight Committee and starts the January 6th committee. And then the January 6th committee goes on their saga. And so I totally believe that none of this will be coming to the light of day. None of it. If the Democrats have retained uh, control of the House of Representatives. When I got to Congress, the Oversight Committee, we barely met. And when we did meet, we were going after Daniel Snyder and the Washington Redskins. That's what we were talking about. Uh, we weren't doing anything credible with the agencies.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I, th- I think it's pretty easy to see that there's two tiers of justice going on here. Uh, you have to be living on another planet not to realize that. But uh, outside of the political arena, there are many people who also claim that there are two tiers of justice that go on, on all cities, in all of our cities and all of our states. Do you agree? And what can be done about it?
3: Well, I do agree. And and I think it's important. I think we have to take a a step back and and really look at the entire trajectory of what's going on in criminal justice Uh, for a long time in this country. And this is not this is not popular to say, but these are the facts. Um, There were serious concerns uh, by black Americans for decades about a two tiered uh, system of justice in America where if you had black skin, the book was thrown at you. And if you did it, you got off. And listen, it's not popular to say, but that did occur. Those are the facts. And I think what's happened is these these George Soros DAs and and the radical left, the way they look at our criminal justice system now is, well, because of the sins of the past, now we're going to do a complete 180. And the only way to get things right is to now go the complete other way. That's not right either. If you do the crime, you have to be punished. You have to be held accountable. And that has to be consistent across the board. When you don't do that, public safety is what suffers first, second, and third. People aren't able to be secured in their persons. It's even, and I I talked a little bit about media when we talked about the other thing, but it's important here. It's also about the stories that the media covers and the stories the media doesn't cover. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's be honest. If the assailant is a white man and the person assailed is a black person, that's gonna get wall-to-wall news coverage. Absolutely. If the assailant is a black man and the and the person being being assaulted is a white person, it gets no coverage. Right. It, it gets a passive media. That is not good for our country. We have to talk about if we're gonna talk about and cover crime, let's cover all of it. Let's cover it equally. Let's not now pick and choose because you have a political agenda. Um, And that political agenda, frankly, is based upon this idea that this radical idea of equity, that the only way to make things right in our country is now to only focus on white people and ignore black people like that's not going to help our country. It's going to further divide us. And so what I think people really want to see is just an equal application of the law. And We've had issues with that in our past. There is no doubt about that. But you can't write, like my mom always said, and everybody's mom always tells them, two wrongs don't make it right. Right. And because it was wrong in the past, doesn't mean you can do a new wrong now and everything is gonna be okay. It's not, it's only gonna make it worse.
1: Well, I, I think you also adequately bring out the point that the way things are covered changes people's perception. You know. I was uh, called by some friends of ours who live in Australia after the George Floyd thing. And they were saying, why are the white policemen killing all the black men over there? <laughs> I mean, this is the impression they get from the way things are being covered. The fact of the matter is, according to that paragon of conservative thought, the Washington Post, less than two dozen cases Of unarmed black men being killed by police occur a year. And that's out of more than 55 million police civilian encounters. So, I mean, one is too many, I I admit that, but it's not anywhere near the epidemic that they try to make it out to be. And, uh, you know, it happens the other way around. You know, white men are killed. There was another case that was almost identical to the George Floyd case. guy with, with his knee on his neck crying, I'm going to die. He did die. There was almost no coverage of it because he was white. It didn't fit the narrative. And, uh, you know, at some point, and I talk to to people in the media all the time, particularly when I see a young correspondent, and I say, Wouldn't you like to be on the forefront of bringing respectability back to our media? Because it makes a big difference. The press is the only business that is protected in our constitution. And it's because they're supposed to disseminate unbiased information to the people because the country is supposed to be running the will of the people. But how can they know what their will is if they get distorted information? Uh, and, and I think that's led to a lot of the problems that we're having right now.
3: One thing to add to that, and I think it's important The the reason to your point, the reason why the framers protected the press is because the press was the only, uh, body or institution that could hold the government accountable. You know, you have a new constitution, powers are now invested and actually taken from the state governments given to this new federal government that that none of them trusted, even though they knew it was in the best interest of the country to create a federal government, but they didn't trust it. So they gave the press the ability to, 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 to disseminate information to the people so that they could report on the government and what the government was actually doing. Mm-hmm. So the people were informed to hold the government accountable. Like it's important that people re- really understand this. And what and what we've gotten to is a press. That doesn't report on its government, it's a press that covers for the government. And that's been to the detriment of the American people. Yeah. But when it comes to our justice system, you can't have DAs not prosecute crime, but then go and invent crimes on other people for political purposes. You can't do that. That is that is so destructive of our inner cities primarily. Because you know, I grew up in Brooklyn, New York. You're, I've grown up with, when Ed Koch was mayor, then David Dinkins was mayor, then Rudy Giuliani was mayor. And you could tell what a the way. Law enforcement took the law seriously and not by the overall environment. When Rudy Giuliani came in, New York got cleaned up. Everybody growing up during that time period knows this. Did a lot of a a lot of young black kids like myself. Did we like stop, stop and frisk protocols? I'll tell you right now. No, I did not. But at the same time, You can't deny the fact that his his approach to policing in New York made New York City safer. Right. And when you have a safe inner city, kids can go to school, kids can learn, people can start businesses, they can better themselves and better their families.
1: Absolutely. Well, you know, uh, Durham declined to state that there was political bias uh, in the things that he was investigating but he said that there was clear personal bias. Mm-hmm. Now, if there's clear personal bias against somebody who's running for president of the United States, how can that not be political? <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I, I,
3: don't, I don't know, John Durham. Um, I respect the work that he did, but I, I agree with you. I, I think, you know, it actually might be twofold. I think part of it is personal. I think that goes to those Personal relationships that are developed over time with people at the top end of our political environment. A-, a bunch of the people, you know, in the political brass at FBI and DOJ, these careerists that are holdover over from administration to administration, they're climbing the ladder, too. They're trying to get the next promotion. They're trying to, they're trying to do this and do that. I think it was reported the other day that Jack Smith was actually who's the special prosecutor mm-hmm. in this in this documents case with Donald Trump, that he was in line to become the AG, I forget the area, and Trump picked somebody else. So you mean to tell me Jack Smith's not pissed that he was oh he was overlooked for a promotion to become AG? Donald Trump didn't pick him, and so now he's mad? You think it's a coincidence Merrick Garland called him back from The Hague? to do that work. I mean, this is the stuff that people aren't really being told and they should be told. And I think there is part personalities and it is personal. And I also think it is political. At the end of the day, you got a lot of careerists who totally believe in Democrat policy and Democrat talking point. And, you know, these are the same people who were fed the lie back in 2015, 2016. Oh, my gosh, Donald Trump will end democracy as we know it. And so then they took it upon themselves to lie to the American people, misuse our agencies, misuse the law, go on political persecutions. But you're concerned about Donald Trump? Sounds like we should be concerned about you.
1: Absolutely. Well, we're going to have to take another very short break and we'll be right back with uh, Congressman Byron Donalds. Okay, and we're back with more common sense. We have Congressman Byron Donalds, who represents a large portion of the western coast, southwestern coast of uh, Florida, and uh, has been done a spectacular job and has common sense, which is the reason that we really wanted to talk to him. One question for you, all of this stuff that the FBI has been involved in, which has really tarnished their reputation severely, if you look at the uh, congressional record from January 10, 1963, and they read in all the things that the communists are trying to do here in the United States, one of them was to destroy the FBI and the reputation of the FBI. The FBI seems to be doing a pretty good job of that themselves. But, you know, it's obviously extremely corrupt. What can be done about it?
3: I think a couple of things. I think one is the political brass at FBI and, and DOJ. I, I think there just has to be a clean a, a house cleaning. And look, if you're a good person doing your job, yeah, okay, we'll take that under under advisement. But there really does I think need to be a house cleaning. The the unfortunate part is that, you know, bureaucracy tends to just grow in and of itself and for itself. And you have a you know, people, you know. They could be they're good Americans. I think they got in for the right reasons. But now they're trying to protect where they're, they're stationed in life and and where they're trying to go. And, you know, to us, to a slight degree, I can't blame them. I think that's just innate in everybody to protect what they have and, and what their own personal uh, desires are going forward. But you, but you can't do that when you're in a position of holding the public trust like at the FBI. You just can't have that. Yeah. So does there need to be a house cleaning? I think so. Uh, Do I think we have to seriously look at some of the intelligence capabilities of the FBI being a lot more specific? I wholeheartedly think so. I think that uh, the Patriot Act is supposed to be reauthorized by Congress this year or next year. I can't remember which year. The FISA process is actually up for reauthorization this year. There has to be serious reforms of FISA. Mm -hmm. We cannot have domestic agencies going after uh, information against the American people and using uh, secret courts in order to do so. This is a, this has become a serious problem. And I understand the logic. After 9-11, I do understand the logic. Uh, but there were people who were concerned about FISA specifically, but the Patriot Act overall uh, after 9-11. And would it ever be weaponized against the American people? And of course, we were told no. But now we find out that the FBI has actually used this process on two hundred and eighty eight thousand Americans, two hundred and eighty eight thousand. I know we talked about Donald Trump, but two hundred and eighty eight thousand Americans that this stuff has happened to. Um, It's outrageous. And so this is why I truly believe that this is going to be part of the appropriations process in Congress. The other part is going to be uh, with a new administration who's committed to cleaning out the federal agencies. And we talk about the FBI, but they're not the only one. Oh, you, the have it IRS, the F, you got it at the IRS. You have it at the DOJ. You have it at the SEC. You have it at the CFTC. And we can go down the list. This is happening in almost every agency in our federal government. And you you got to be committed to, to reforming them.
1: Well, you know, it's, it's it's hard to clean up this stuff because, uh, It's very difficult to to get rid of a career government agent. Um, They have all kind of protections. And uh, the desire may be to get rid of them. But I remember as Secretary of HUD, it was not an easy thing to do. And you had to be um, pretty creative to find ways to get rid of people.
3: Well, I, I I totally agree. Yeah, I agree with you. It is difficult. One of the things that, you know, some of my colleagues are looking at are potential reforms to the Office of Personnel Management uh, in order to get this through and to get this done. I mean, look, everybody, I understand civil service protections when you were talking about it was 1960 and federal employees didn't make that much. And so you wanted them to be protected and so on and so forth. I, I totally get that. But it's 2023, Uh different environment. Our job market is far is far more dynamic than it used to be. People or beings are successful in the private sector every single day. And at the end, I think, nope, I think you don't have a promise to, to that job. I don't think it's because you got it when you were 24 that you get to keep it for the rest of your life just just because uh, that's wrong. And I think right. Americans know that is wrong. But it's one of those things that's not really talked about. Now, obviously, you're going to have to have a battle uh, with, you know, with AFSCME, the union, the public sector union for the for the federal government and other governments. You're going to have that that political fight, but it's one worth having, because we cannot have a federal government that its agencies and its bureaucracy is just entrenched, because nobody has a fear of losing their job. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't work in corporate America. That doesn't work in the real world. Right. Um, it doesn't work in the halls of Congress. The employees in Congress, guess what? They're at will. You know, right. I have staff. If a staff member is not doing what I need done, staff member's gone. That's just that's right. the way the world works.
1: Well, I've got a, a question that I think a lot of people are curious about. Sure. Uh, last week, Adam Schiff was censored, um, and uh, you know a lot of people felt that he should have been censored or even worse. But his Democratic colleagues applauded him. What drives them? To excuse that kind of behavior?
3: Well, a, a couple of things. One, Adam Schiff, and you know, you could add Swalwell to that, and, and 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 other officials on their side. Adam Schiff has been at the center of all this Trump Russia collusion stuff. And if they turn their back on him, what does it say about the political narrative that really has been the foundation of the Democrat Party for the past six, seven years? Mm. The, 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 that's the, the foundation of their party has been get Trump, essentially, to quote right. Alan uh, Dershowitz uh, book title. It's been get Trump. That's been the basis of of their political party. And if they allow if they watch Adam Adam Schiff get censured, which he should be, which is, is a good thing. I voted right. for it and they say nothing, then that's them admitting that they know he's a liar. So what do they have to do? They have to rally around him. And I think to a broader level, we're getting into a bad spot in American politics where it's more about the team jersey you're wearing than about the, than about the actual integrity of the sport. All right. This can't be about the red team versus the blue team. Adam Schiff lied to the American people. He knowingly lied to the American people. He lied about information he had as the chairman of the intelligence committee. I don't have proof, but is it possible he was leaking information, which by the way is a violation of the Espionage Act for those, you know, listening at home? That is possible. Don't have any proof. Just saying yeah. it is possible he leaked information to the press, which is illegal. This is what he did in his desire to go get Donald Trump. It's wrong. Look. I have disagreements with Adam Schiff. I have disagreements with Nancy Pelosi. I have disagreements with Joe Biden. That doesn't mean I'm going to knowingly lie, misrepresent facts and leak information to the press. I'm not going to do that because the integrity of the country matters more than just which political party I'm a part of. Uh,
1: No question about it. Now. A lot of people have questioned the president's cognitive function. Uh, And I must say, there's probably good reason to question it. But a broader issue, we have a lot of people in government now who are very old. Mm -hmm. And we know that when people get old, sometimes they have some cognitive dysfunction. Should we be thinking about some type of ruling where once you reach a certain age, You take an annual cognitive function test because there's an enormous amount of danger that we put ourselves in when we put people in charge who have cognitive issues.
3: You know, I've really not thought too much about that one on its face. The first thing I would say is that, you know, if the if the people who administer the test are the same people who said that we have to wear masks uh, to protect (laughs) us from COVID-19, then I don't I don't really want that test. (laughs) <laughs> I just, I just, I just don't want that test. Uh, I think, to a broader perspective, I think there's real serious merit to this. Um, you know, I look at, and this is no disrespect to her, but Senator Dianne Feinstein, um, her health has been declining for years. Uh, on Capitol Hill, you know, members have basically been saying, and staff has been saying that, you know, mentally she's not been, you know, where she used to be for several years. Right. Um, yet. You know, her staff and I guess her family keep her in Congress. Uh, that's wrong. It's just it's just wrong. All right. um, and so, you know, I, I think that you you have a serious situation there. Should it I think I think maybe an amendment to it, like if it's if you could start to exhibit elements of that, then maybe, yes. But, but I think we got to be careful because at the end of the day. I've just seen so much these last couple of years. Like, you know, I don't even trust the people who are doing the tests. What I do yeah. trust, I, I trust voters. Well, I, think, I think some, the collective will of the American people is smarter yeah. than any handful of people in Washington.
1: They have uh, a part of the uh, general physical exam called the mini mental test. It has 30 questions. And th- it's pretty objective. I mean, they'll say uh, count from 100 backwards uh, by sevens things you should be able to do right uh, name three objects and then i ask you for other things and then say what were those three objects um so it's a, a very easy test to administer it's pretty objective and i suspect that there are certain leaders that we know who couldn't pass that test
3: yeah i agree with you there are there definitely are some who simply cannot do it and I, and you know, I personally think the, the current president, he can't do it either. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's it's really a sad state of affairs uh, for our country. It, it really is. And my hope is we don't we don't repeat this. I, I think, you know, real quick, I would say the thing that's causing me more concern is what the Democrats are starting to do. And they they started doing this in the midterm elections. And I think it's going to be what they're going to do in in, in, the, in the 24 election cycle hmm. is they're just not going to debate. They're not going to debate. They're not going to put their candidates in a position where they have to engage in ideas and demonstrate their aptitude and their their competency. They're going to hide them. They they hid John Fetterman from debate until it was too late. Uh, Katie Hobbs, the now governor of Arizona, they hid her, too. She would never debate Carrie Lake. Never. And so, you know, for people to be like, oh, yeah, but Carrie Lake says so much. Carrie Lake challenged her to debate. I think she was like following her for a week on her schedule and kept challenging Katie Hobbs to a debate. Katie Hobbs would never debate. That's a that's a that's a disaster. Now, Joe Biden, the DNC is hiding Joe Biden from debates. And no matter how you feel about Robert F. Kennedy, Jr., Mm -hmm. if you're going to run to be president of the United States, but you're not going to debate your opponent, that is un-American, And I think that's what the Democrats are going to start doing with us. You got to debate. You got to step into the arena. Well,
1: we have one more question for you after this short break. We'll be right back.
2: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.
1: with uh, Representative uh, Byron Donalds, Florida's 19th District Representative. Question for you as we end here. There's a lot of distrust of our public institutions right now, Uh, probably well-deserved. What is the solution?
3: Everything rises and falls on leadership. Everything. I think it's leadership in the home with parents. I think it's leadership in our schools uh, with teachers. I think it's leadership, obviously, in in the church, leadership in our community and even leadership in our governments. And I I think that we got to get back, uh, you know, to to the the, the title of your of your podcast. We just got to get back to common sense, Mm -hmm. like things that just make sense. We all know it like it does not make sense for a child to take puberty blockers. That makes no physiological sense at all. I am not a doctor. I'm a man of finance, but I know that makes no sense at all. Um, And it doesn't make sense to do that. It doesn't make sense to indoctrinate children. It doesn't make sense to not make sure they're fully educated. It doesn't make sense to, to not do everything in your power to make sure that kids are reading and doing math on grade level. Absolutely. It doesn't make sense for kids in college to be taking a ton of courses that have no economic viability. You know, it doesn't make sense to have massively open borders when you can't even take care of the people who are coming through these borders at this pace, let alone the poor people in, in all of our states who need help and are trying to get on that pathway to success. That doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to be weak in front of our enemies across the globe. It doesn't make sense to spend money you don't have. And I think that if we just get back to things that just are simple, basic, common sense, um, our country, because we already are the best country in the world, even though, you know, we have our disagreements and we we got our issues. um, We'll continue to be the leader of the world and we'll be the best country and we'll be that standard bearer. And and people in our country will have an ability to be successful for themselves, for their families, that kind of pride that, that that that's instilled from success can't be replicated by anything. Amen. Um, and, and I think if we have that, we'll be well, be well on our way to, to true success.
1: Well, Congressman, I want to thank you so much for, for that wisdom and for your courage your willingness to get out there and fight for, for we the people. It makes all the difference in the world. And I hope, I hope you have plans to stick around and continue. We need leadership, logical leadership. Uh, that you provide. Your wife is doing a great job, too. Uh, You guys are a great couple. We really appreciate your willingness to serve the American people. Thank you. Thank you. And we'll be right back with my closing comment and prescription for the week.
0: I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting,
1: Hope you enjoyed that uh, conversation with Representative Byron Donalds, a young, upcoming, dynamic uh, congressman uh, who has common sense, and we love it. And for your assignment for this week, I'd like you to check out some of the new material that we have put out to help direct our children. We have a, a new book, a new children's book that's debuting this week called Freedom of Bark. And uh, it's a children's book with uh, the family being dogs, papa dog, mama dog, and children dogs. And it emphasizes lessons about the First Amendment and freedom of speech and how we should use that in an appropriate way and how we should be respectful of other people's opinions as well. And uh, I hope uh, you will go to our website, uh, littlepatriotslearning.com, access the book. But also, there's a ton of absolutely free material there uh, that is great for giving our children the foundation that they need to be able to counter some of this indoctrination that is antithetical to the principles of this country. So that's it for this week. Remember, you can get these podcasts on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you rate us, review us, tell your friends about us, and let's keep spreading common sense. And remember the cornerstones, faith, liberty, community, and life. See you next week.